because it's not as sweet as the uh there's like way less there's no sugar in it the white cloths are are good but like it's just they're too sugary for me yeah. and these the strawberry and mango bud light ones are fucking delicious just straight up so yeah, it helps you keep your figure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like to think so though i did finally weigh myself when i was at my parents house and i i put on the COVID 19 I think every, yeah. I don't know. It looks like, uh, from what I've observed, a lot of people are. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I'm almost 200 pounds. <laughs> I think I ping pong between like stress, stress, uh, uh, fast and stress, uh, weight, you know, like somewhere in between. Like I'm constantly, like I'm either emaciated or I'm yeah. robust. That seems like a good place to be. I think I'm just going to not eat for a month and we'll level out and we'll be fine. Yeah. So I think I'm just going full, full fledged the other way of just like fast food, fucking lean in, lean yeah, the in. The world's probably going to end <laughs> in December. I think 2020 is just sort of like, it's just been letting us know like, this is the last one. This is the last one. Oh, so like 2012, they just like ac- accidentally flipped around the last two digits. Something. It was actually, it was supposed to be, uh, well, just like 2012 was, you know, it was the beginning of the end and now it's <laughs> happening. Oh, okay. The minds were just like, no, you read the calendar wrong. Right. We were just saying this marks the beginning. You have eight years. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, beginnings, it's the, the high holidays. That's right. The high holy days. Those two. That's right. Which what? Are, I'm sorry, what? You were just talking about new beginnings. Right, right. <laughs> high holidays? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Stephen will explain. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll learn. <laughs> I, um, I guess so. I mean, I, I feel like you guys kind of got the the crystal light of Jews. Uh, I don't know if that was purposeful. You wanted sort of like an entry level Jew. Well, but it's you interesting. Know, I will say here in Portland, I don't know that I have a lot of Jewish friends outside of you. You might be. I have lots of Jewish friends from like college and stuff, but I don't know that I know other Jewish people here in Portland. Yeah. Do well, you know a lot of Jewish people in Portland? <laughs> Besides your brother? It depends on whether you're talking like ethnically Jewish or like yeah, I religiously mean like, Jewish. I just mean like ethnically, culturally, like you're from a Jewish family. Like I, I know a, a number of people who are ethnically Jewish. Okay. I do not know, I mean this includes my brother as well, who probably just goes to a synagogue for the high holidays. Uh, sure. Is well, it seems like there's... Jewish. There's something about Judaism in particular that sort of allows for a light version or I don't don't even want to say light version. Like it allows for sort of like enough, I guess, like ambiguity where you can still sort of like use it as like a spiritual compass, but you don't need to be like super hardcore practicing. I don't know. That's sort of the like of, of almost all the Jewish people that I know. That seems to be the most common where they're like, it's not like they're like, no, I'm fucking atheist. Like, but, but it's sort of like a, yeah, no, like, yeah, I grew up Jewish. Like, no, I don't really like go to the synagogue or like read the Bible, all the, the Torah all the time or whatever. But like, I still sort of like, yeah, I do the holidays. I do the traditions. Like it's still sort of like a part of my life, totally. which I feel like in America, like Christianity is very much like. You have a little bit of that for sure, but I feel like it's more common where it's like you're in or you're out. 
That's true. I mean, part of Judaism as well is like you decide whether or not you're a Jew, right? So it's like you, one decides to practice and be a Jew, or mm-hmm. they are, you know, loosely associated with being a Jew. But like, I don't know. I, I suppose that's a good distinction to make too, because there's like if you were to ask a Orthodox Jew, they would say, you know, you're not Jewish unless your mother was Jewish, and that's how the right. lineage was passed down. If you asked a modern Orthodox Jew, they'd say, well, it's all about practice, right? Like they don't really care as much whether you are ethnically Jewish or whether you converted necessarily. They care more about you know your acts because that in a lot of ways is is what encompasses the jewish religion which is acts it is interesting though that judaism is one of the i mean i I really think it's the only abrahamic religion that is like yeah we don't like we're not like trying to get people to join necessarily they actively discourage converts yeah they're just like no we're good we're good (laughs) No proselytizing. You go ahead and stay over there. They've been social distancing like since day one. That's true. Well, (laughs) within uh, within their own communities, at least. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, that's that's always been an interesting thing to me. Where like Christianity is so focused on like, let's try to get as many people to join our team as possible, and Judaism is just like, no, we're we're good over here. You guys do whatever the fuck you want over there, and we don't care. Yeah, I was trying to get some some better understanding of the, like the high holy days, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. For sure. Um, cause I grew up, my dad's Jewish, but it's, it was never not good enough. Yeah. Like not, (laughs) but also he wasn't never a religious person. Mm. So I didn't really like grow up necessarily with any of the religious influences in my house. It was more, more of a Catholic upbringing, but knowing that I had this tie to Judaism in some way, but I just have like, just not a lot of reference for sure. everything. You did know, did that have any effect on you in the sense that like, did you feel more Unitarian or at least open-minded? Or? Yeah. The cool thing is that my mom who raised me Catholic thought it was important that I had some understanding of the Jewish religion and mm. some of that heritage, but it was more kind of became just about celebrating Hanukkah every year. And the part of our, like the Jewish part of our family wasn't really near where I grew up. So I wasn't exposed tons to the Jewish religion, unless you were talking about things like death and seeing how that process played out. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. um, so yeah, I'm just kind of blind to it, but very interested. Cause I know I have those ties to it. So as I get older, I've become even more interested in it. But I thought it was cool watching the, I was watching this rabbi, it was from a couple years ago, but he was just talking about Yom Kippur and what you should be doing and and things like that. And he was just, he kept talking about what if, what if you're only judged on your last day and to just approach things that way, if Mm. you're only being judged on that last day. Yeah. You know, what is somebody going to say every day? Like it's your last for sure. Essentially. And it's like, obviously that, that same cliche, but just his framing of it, you know, like what if God is only judging you on this day? Hmm. Yeah. And that way, like act like a pretty decent person. If that's like the snapshot of who you are, you don't want to have been like, well, live every day. Like it's your last. So I did it all that day. Right. 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 Um, 
So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this holiday, like Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like I know a little bit, but um, and and I I read the the pieces or the parts in the Bible where it's directly referenced, which we can read. But yeah, just like I'm curious from your perspective, growing up with it, like what is it? What is it about for you? What does it mean to you? Well. I mean, for my family, com- uh, growing up in a a conservative uh, Jewish home, and that's conservative, not like, you know, we were conservative people, more so like the difference between conservative, reform, orthodox, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, we we basically just went to, to temple for the high holy days. We went for Rosh Hashanah. We went for Yom Kippur. Didn't really, no, we didn't go for Hanukkah. We spent that with my grandparents. And I mean, if you ask most Jewish people, like Hanukkah is not like our claim to fame. You know, it's what it's the holiday that everybody knows about because, oh, you guys also get presents yeah. around that time. It's the right. commercialized. And it's in the same time frame as Christmas and shit. So totally. Right. So it gets lumped into, you know, the holidays. Um, but really... Uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are, are designated as the, the high holy days because they are the most notable to the Jews and the most celebrated Yom, Yom Kippur, especially because it's kind of this self-inventory. In, it's the Day of Atonement, right? Which which most religions both, have. Are they both like around the same time? Yeah. Rosh Hashanah precedes uh, Yom Kippur by usually just a couple of weeks. Okay. So it's just like when I was growing up, it was just that time of year that like, you know, you're getting out of school for that day, but at least one of those days you're going to have to fast. So you kind of like, <laughs> well, am I excited? But the other one, you get apples and honey and, and, and challah. So that was pretty cool. Love snack time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Rosh Hashanah definitely is special because it's the beginning of the year and, right. you know, a lot of people, you know, might reference, you know, their birthdays is like the kind of like reset for the year. What do I want, you know, next year as I'm 32, you know, mm-hmm. what's that going to bring for me? And, you know, I've, as a, as a kid growing up Jewish, you know, that was, more so than like the the collective New Year, you know, January first, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Rosh Hashanah was that. It was like, well, you know, let's like reflect on last year and and you know make this year better. Yeah, and, it's really interesting for me. I've always sort of felt like, and I've always sort of attributed to this to maybe just like our school system and when school starts, which is typically like August September. Um, but I've always felt like the fall is sort of like turning over, like the start of a new chapter. Yeah. I feel like I always get sort of like the summer sads around like June, July. I'm just, especially July, August. I feel like I really am just like, yeah, I'm ready for it to cool down. I'm ready to, to sort of like, yeah. And I feel like I just sort of like feel a little bit untangled. And then sometime in September is usually when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like pull it back together again. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just like my, my upbringing with, with schooling and stuff, but maybe there's something in the air. Maybe yeah. there's something I mean, my, my birthday's in the fall as well. So they all okay. kind of like, it's all the, the feeling that like, yeah, the, the elation of the summer is, is over and we're now, right, you know, right. taking stock, you know, taking, taking stock of all of our, our food and our stores for the cold winter ahead, <laughs> especially growing up in upstate New York. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I appreciate all the 
just all the intent of the holidays of the uh the spiritual realignment that seem that people seem to try to go through at that time yeah and just taking the inventory and it's funny because we've been talking about so much on this about what you need to remove from your room mm-hmm. in your life and this is pretty much that right that's what this is is yeah you know internal reflection and figuring out ways how you can better serve your community and yourself and and social justice for sure Wait, so I sort of interrupted you. Take us, continue taking us through sort of like Rosh Hashanah, and you know, you were sort of at the point where you're talking about like, yeah, it's the start of a new year, taking inventory. I mean, that was kind of it for me. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, growing up. So maybe it's helpful to give a little bit of a backstory. Um, so I grew up in upstate New York, not the super Jewy part of New York that most people are familiar with, but rural, rural upstate New York. I was one of three families in my community that were Jewish, and there was no other Jewish kids in my grade. There was one uh, friend of mine, a girl who was a grade older than me, that I, I basically went through um, you know, religion class with, and she was like in my class, so to speak, even though she was a a year older than me, but my mom, I, I Jewish on my mother's side. Um, my father was raised Catholic. Um, my mother's family who is also, uh, conservative Jews, um, took my grandfather, especially took his religion or our religion very seriously, Mm -hmm. not in an orthodox sense because we weren't orthodox so we didn't you know abide by you know orthodox rules and we could i guess get into that but i mean they're pretty extensive right and like you'll see that theme throughout judaism where like you you kind of you have to practice what you preach you know i mean judaism is pretty much entirely about acts about mitzvot um so in that sense like he was a, or, or my mom's side of the family was conservative, but my grandfather especially was like quite serious about, you know, particularly the com- community aspect of, of mm-hmm. religion. So that definitely imparted, you know, on my mom and her sisters, uh, but particularly my mom. So when she raised us or at, well, actually when my dad and her got married, he converted just because that was like important enough to my grandparents. But then like she raised us at least to know, you mm-hmm. know, the religion that, that had been so, you know, important to, to her parents and, and to her. So although like, although I went through my entire childhood learning about it and, and, you know, going to, to, uh, uh, religion class three times a week, as opposed to, to a lot of my Christian friends who only went on Sundays for like an hour, I went <laughs> two hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then three hours on Sundays, which was like a huge commitment as a kid when like you want to go play soccer and play with your friends Wait, yeah. and that was three like days a week. Always growing up, but that was like a year of your life? Or well, no, that was from, I mean, I can't even remember. I, I mean, probably like, I mean, through 13, right? Because that was bar mitzvah and that's when it would have ended and you could have so kept So from like a up. young kid until you're 13. Yeah. I mean, three days a week. You're learning another language, right? Like in this process of like... You, yeah. You're learning the, the uh, like the old Hebrew, 
not modern Hebrew. So okay. like I'm not dropping, you know, if I went to Israel, I'd be completely clueless. Like the language is adapted beyond obviously the, the, uh, uh, ancient texts yeah. and the sort of like Aramaic Hebrew as I believe it's called. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Essentially like you are learning, you know, learning to, to read, speak and write Hebrew and, and, you know, to, uh, understand what you're, you're reading. What were your, what was your feelings towards this? Like, obviously you're talking about how, you know, you wanted, like you're spending all this time there and you want to be doing other shit, but were you connecting with it at all? Or did you just kind of know it was part of your family culture and important to your grandfather yeah, so I, I guess that's part partially why I prefaced it the way that I did about like my my backstory is because it my it was never shoved down my throat, you know, like my my parent my mother specifically, she's like, no, I want you to know, but it wasn't she wasn't insistent upon it, she wasn't, you know, uh, she wasn't looking over my shoulder. So in that way, it removed the pressure to you know. I could engage with it with, with, uh, you know, how I chose. Um, do you think I'm incorrect in surmising that that is sort of like a very common American Jewish experience? Depends on where you grew up, man. I mean, if you grew up in, in, in Brooklyn and in, in Williamsburg, sure, you know, course, you, you don't have a choice. Yeah, it's very different. But for people that are not from like the Orthodox world, like every, I feel like every, um, Jewish person that I know, and, and most of them, I would say, are from New York. But, yeah, every single one that I know, it's sort of, like, similar similar story. Like, it's not... It's, it's important, but it's not important in that way. Like, yeah. it's important that you understand. It's important that you... Like, it's... That it's a part of your life on some level, but it's just not, like... It's there's no like fundamentalist like root outside of the the Orthodox community from from what I've like gathered from my friends. Well, I think there's a couple things at play. Like one, you consider how Jews have been treated over uh, over the millennia, you know. So there's that element of like, yeah, we kind of have to at least know you know what's up, or you sure. know keep keep the keep the flame burning to a certain extent because like, look what has happened, you know, to, to this population, right. like, and then maybe also a sort of like recognition of like, it's maybe best to like hide in plain sight type thing. I mean, like the hatred towards Jewish people is like the original, <laughs> the original hatred. hate. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's still like to this day, like discrimination against Jewish people is like one of the most, for such a small population of the world, there's like an unbelievable amount of like hatred towards the Jewish community still today. Yeah. It's they're still like I believe like number one hate crime or number one in hate crimes are yeah, committed which is against insane because it's people. it's less than a less than one percent of the world's population. Right. Right. So I guess to just go back to your question, like, I think there's like the one element of like, yeah, like you feel connected on that level. That's like, you're part of something that like, if you don't keep it going, it kind of dies. But then like, there's the other element of like, you truly decide whether or not you are Jewish and whether or not you engage with the tenets of Judaism defines you or, or, you know, defines you otherwise as mm -hmm. Jewish or not. So in that sense, you do decide whether or not you're Jewish. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was your, uh, 
the community of people that you hung out with around that time? Was it mostly people from the, the Jewish community that you were going to classes with and stuff like that? Or did you have a lot of friends and outside influence from that as well? Yes, I was two suburbs away from Syracuse, New York. The closer suburb, uh, Fayetteville and Manlius area, were full of Jews. So that's like where predominantly like our congregation, uh, like the entire population of our congregation came from. And uh, my father had grown up, you know, where I come from. Um, so And that's where my mom and dad ended up you know, buying a house and, and uh, raising our family in that same home. So it just so happened, you know, that we were like just far enough removed from the city or from those, uh, communities that, you know, like I said, there was only three, three, uh, uh, families in the entire, in the entire, uh, township. So, I mean, no, the only Jewish kids that I knew were through religion class, were through Hebrew school. So, and I didn't like hang out with them uh, other than the fact that I was with them three days a week. Right. You know, but we didn't also like, they all had classes together. We're like in the same school system. And then I had like my one friend who was a grade above me and she was a girl and you know, like, I mean, we were like friends, but we weren't like homies. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So, yeah, Rosh Hashanah, we sort of covered it. Tell us a little bit more about, like, Yom Kippur and, yeah, what that's all about. Yeah. So, well, as I mentioned, there's, like, the two holidays that at least I was expected to to show up and, and, and go to Temple for. So, Rosh Hashanah being, like, all right, we're going to eat the apples and honey, you know, which signify, like, let's have a sweet year. And they blow the, the ram's horn, the, the shofar, which is, like, a call to action of sorts. It's, like, yo, mm-hmm. wake up. Like, we have shit to do like this next year's got to be better than last and then like a couple weeks later comes yom kippur which is definitely like the high holy day you know Mm -hmm. and any devout jew you know not only would fast from the previous uh sundown to the the sundown of yom kippur um for 24 hours but during that time are in like very very intensive prayer Mm -hmm. um and and atonement so I mean, that's a, that's the way it should be, right? Like any religion should be. It should be, you know, a a, a intense inventory of oneself and right. how we're interacting with our community and ourselves and what we're contributing, what we're not. And, you know, if we're doing a good job, then, okay, let's get our, give ourselves credit for that. But if we're not or, you know, we can always do better. Right. Um, let's let's focus on that. And, you know, to have that like to fast and then like think about that intensely. I mean, it it I mean, I don't know, like in my mind, you know, that's that's a very weighty um, like tenant of any one religion is like that taking of one's mental or uh, uh, individual inventory and sure. like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that we covered this a lot in, in the very first episode that we did, but I think that like when Jesus talks about repenting, that's what he's talking about. He's like, you gotta like, you gotta take inventory and like look at all aspects of your shadow so that you can bring it to the light so that you can come back home. You know, like, 
that's where that's the journey is always like taking the inventory and like yeah taking the time to do that so that you can return and like it's a sort of a constant process i like the idea of making it a yearly tradition just so that like there's no chance that you forget to do that because it is so important and everybody has shit that like yeah that need to look at nobody is without a shadow nobody is without sin or whatever you want to call it um so yeah i think it's like i i really like that about judaism being such an old religion and like having these like really like rooted traditions um and like rituals essentially like these holidays are sort of like there's this deep ritualistic aspect to it um and yeah i think that that's really that's really cool and like super meaningful. Did that stuff resonate with you from a pretty early age? Like that whole process of doing the internal inventory or was there, you feel like there was a certain point where you started kind of understanding it more and taking it more seriously. I mean, certainly the, certainly the element of putting your money where your mouth is sort of thing. like that, that always resonated with me. Another tenant of Judaism, which is the sort of like to always be questioning or asking questions, you know, not in a sense to like find a particular answer. And in fact, like one could argue that Judaism kind of, you know, avoids making absolutes, you know, we don't like absolutes. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we've agreed upon a number of things and like any, any religion or group has to codify, you know, a certain amount of, of what they believe in. But like, there's a huge emphasis on like, on not naming a thing or not, um, you know, once you materialize something, you give it power, you know, and this can be observed in like, you know, know if you've ever noticed that like Jews don't spell the word God, you know, they spell like G dash D and that's because like when you write the word God on a slip of paper, like that is God, you know? So if you do that, then it can never be thrown away. It has to be buried. It has to be, you know, it, there has to be like prayer and, and, and ceremony around it because you have, you have brought this thing that you chose to, you know, put into or like bring into material, like into this world. And now, you know, you must respect it. So in that sense, like the intentionality and the, the sort of, um, I don't know. It like as a kid, like, yeah, like insofar as I could engage with those sort of like ineffable concepts, you know, they gave me like the spidey sense, you know, or the, the, uh, just like I got the tingles just like, Oh, like what's that all about? That's really cool. That sort of like, you know, grasping at, you know, what I would now consider the mystic element of the religion. Yeah. Trying to grasp the ungraspable. Totally. Right. Totally. Um, but not knowing exactly how to engage with that. And even as an adult, you know, I, I think about, you know, wanting to engage with that more and more, you know, so often as we get older, we like reinvestigate these feelings of feelings of spirituality after we've had our like, you know, secular, uh, romp springer and, (laughs) and, uh, moment in the world doing worldly things. Absolutely. So I don't know. I think that's really worth mentioning when it comes to, to Judaism, because it is again, like all about acts, all about the, the, the mitzvot, the mitzvahs that you like, uh, 
act in life and what that means, you know, Mm -hmm. much less than like, you know, what's on your resume or, you know, how you're raised, who your mother was sort of thing. And I I think most like modern Jews would, would probably agree with that. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's like, what are you, how is this, what are, what are the fruits of your life? Right. Like, and that's, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you doing that sort of prove that you're an actual, actually a decent person? Um, I do think it's cool too. And in Hebrew, right. The, like the original name of God is, is Yahweh or Elohim. Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, Hashem. Like they're all names that like, you know, yeah, if I was a little more Jewy, I wouldn't dare utter them, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Because it, again, like to, right. to even like, I, I was always fascinated with Yahweh just because it is, it's yes, it's a name, but it's also like super mysterious. Cause it basically just means like I am. Yeah. Yeah. God is the great I am, which just means to me means like God is just like is being and becoming and like, yeah, again, this sort of like slightly graspable, but mostly ungraspable concept that's rooted in a lot of mystery. And I think that for such an ancient religion, like that's a very cool way to try to name it without actually naming it and leave it sort of like super, super uh, ambiguous, but in a, like in a meaningful way. Um, and I don't, I don't know the, I, I, at one point I did know more about the, the other names, but Yahweh is the one that really stuck with me. But so you're, but you're saying that like, even these, like these names for God, you don't, you still don't really speak them unless it's like in a prayer or something. Essentially. Are you just discouraged from like, like for instance, in the, in the Hebrew text and that's Nah. um, the way that the word God is written, you don't actually pronounce that way. Like, a, I forget exactly the the uh, the Jewish letters that signify it, but you pronounce it Adonai, even though, or like if you were saying the prayer, a prayer right. like Baruch Atah Adonai, mm-hmm. you know. But that's not the way that it's actually written, you know, in in Hebrew in the text. You know, if you were to pronounce that, which you're not supposed to, and they don't exactly give you like the correct vowels, I don't believe to even pronounce it correctly. You're just like, I don't know. You're not supposed to. So mm-hmm. even like in, so I believe Adonai is just like a, some kind of placeholder. I believe so. I forget what it means as it's like literal translation, but it's like the blessed something or yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of a placeholder in that sense that it's like, yeah, we don't really use, it's like what we use so that we don't have to, you know, say the true name of God, you know, because yeah. it's, and there's a lot as a, again, as a kid, like all of those little kind of like mystic elements that like, you know, in my mind, like the Jewish faith, like loves to like kind of keep you at a little bit of a distance and be like, yeah, but don't bother yourself with that. You know, like these are the things, <laughs> you know, that you're supposed to be doing and like, Mitzvah are like the perfect example. So there's like what six, I think it's 613 commandments in, in the Jewish Bible and you achieve them by carrying out mitzvah or mitzvot would be the plural of them. Uh, and each one of them are acts to, to prove, you know, you know, that you are fulfilling these commandments, but you're not supposed to question 
you know, you're not supposed to like circumvent, you know, you're just supposed to do the act. You're not supposed to be like, well, you know, by like watering this plant, you know, I'm like sustaining life. So I could also, you know, just like, I don't know, like give it plant food instead or something. Mm. It's like, well, no, just water the plant. That's what it says in the text. Don't worry about it. Like, Interesting. Do you think that there is like some kind of spiritual value to just just doing it and not being so fucking thinky about it all the time not which is also really interesting what, because like faith yeah and but also it's just interesting because like you know the jewish community community is known for being very intellectual so it's not that it's not that they're just like mindlessly just doing things but there is yeah you're saying there's this sort of element of like you don't need to like dissect it you don't need to like look into it so much like just do the thing it's beautiful on its own period right unless you want to talk about it and then we can talk about it but you better have like all night right you know right and that's that's the element of the oral Torah right or the the idea of like having part of your um, you know holy text being in as the canon and then the other part of it being as an oral tradition that it was never written down mm-hmm. and since it has been like sort of written down, but that's not the idea. The idea is that like some things aren't necessarily able to be put into words. And if they were to be put into words, we, you know, wouldn't like that or, or you know, it, to materialize a thing changes it or it gives it a power of then otherwise, you know, when it's left in conversation or, you know, up in the, up in the air. Yeah. You know. As you were getting older, like into high school, did you find yourself leaning more into the religion and the spirituality or did you kind of start to fall away from it at all? I think I was leaning more towards like girls and having a good time and smoking weed. And yeah, I mean, again, from a kid and remember that like after age 13, after I was a uh, bar mitzvah, um, I kind of, you know, gave it up, so to speak. Yeah. I was like, cool, I'm done. You like, did it. Yeah. You I, became a man in the church. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm good. Like, I did my thing. Was that a big deal to you? Yeah. I mean, it it was an enormous effort. Like, you know, I, I was, you know, an active kid. I liked to play soccer. You know, at the time I was, like, trying to learn guitar and, like, do all this other stuff. And, like, all of that got put you know, namely playing guitar, I actually never picked up the guitar after, you know, studying for my bar mitzvah because it took like, you know, all of my time and energy, you know, you essentially have to learn how to read the, the Torah, like as a, you know, you know, the scroll itself, you know, which has some other elements, um, that, that otherwise the, the, um, like the Tanakh doesn't. So, um, yeah, it, it took a, it was a, a enormous time sink. And, you know, after I was done with that, I was just like, peace, I'm out, you know? Right. I did it. So when you're going to all of this additional schooling each week, is it all leading up to this moment? Or is there a specific curriculum that you get into at a certain point to be Bar Mitzvah? Um, I mean, there's more, uh, we also looked at like the, I mean, it encompassed a lot, like it encompassed, you know, reading, writing and speaking Hebrew. 
Um, and it also encompassed, you know, the cu- cultural elements of, of Judaism and, and what it means to be a Jew. It encompassed the history. You know, we spent like a whole year or two, you know, was going over the Holocaust and what led up to it. So, you know, like it, it encompassed a lot, you know, like it was a, a pretty, a pretty comprehensive education, of course, with its own bent to it or its own bias, um, but what it means to be a Jew, you know, what our our role has been in society, certainly how we've been systematically and otherwise oppressed, you know, in every place, time period and opportunity um, and, you know, where where we are now. And of course, like the sort of like Zionism or adoration of Israel and, and what that means. Hmm. What do you think, like, what did you learn from that experience in terms of, like, why? Why have the Jewish people been so, yeah, like, just so oppressed, like you said, through, through yeah, any, any place, any region, any time period, like, and even today in 2020, you know, yeah, only a couple years ago that people were marching through South Carolina with fucking torches yelling the Jews will not replace us, which I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. But I just I have I think it's so interesting, especially because like fucking most of the world is Christian and Muslim and <laughs> Judaism is like just it's to say it's a cousin. It like doesn't even do it justice. It's basically right. it's a brother. It's a sister. Like yeah. so close. So what the, f- yeah, Jesus what the f- was a Jew, right? Yeah. I just, I just don't, I don't get, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't know if that was something that like you growing up, like was in any way sort of explained to you, like the why. I mean, in my mind, the, the simplest answer of that is like, we were the chosen people or so said, you know, the text. So if you're like, yeah, I'm the best, you know, people are going to be gunning for you (laughs) all all the time. And, you know, and despite what you may, may believe or not, you know, that was, uh, that was like, you know, agreed upon, you know, through the covenant with the, the Jewish people and God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if that was a more like we were here first (laughs) sort of thing. So like he was our guy, stick a flag, you know, at the top of uh, the top of Mount Sinai and, yeah, you know? we we've just actually, what did we do? We did David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. That was the we, last episode, yeah. And we were kind of, I don't know. We've just also been in this part of Acts in the Bible where it's examining a lot of trying to uh, get everybody on the same page and realize that you don't have to like everybody doesn't have to go through these same steps to be you know connected in, to God, connected to Him, or in the presence of Him, or you know, to preach the good word and whatnot. It's just like this really interesting thing. A lot of, a lot of circumcision talk, mm-hmm. you know, it always yeah, comes down to that first circumcision. Yes. Yeah. There's some, there's definitely some old school disses in the Bible, like in the new Testament where they're like this uncircumcised fuck, even in the David and Goliath story. Yeah. They're like, you're going to let this uncircumcised Philistine like at you, you know, <laughs> like that's the, that's what gets the army going is like, and not only is he coming at us, but he's not even fucking circumcised. Like this guy's a, yeah. he's a monster. Um, what a strange hooded, hooded penis heathen. He is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do think 
it's it's still so interesting to me that you know like the jewish people are sort of like yeah so we have our we have our thing we have our way to connecting to god the mystery whatever and and trying to be good people which is just i for whatever reason everyone agrees that like trying to be a good person is like that's a worthy endeavor that's not even a religious concept at this point it's so like built into society but to me the fact that we've all even agreed upon that is like evidence of god it's like why 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 has everyone agreed like yes it's good to bend towards towards being good towards justice towards whatever like these are good positive things that we should implement across the board um, but I think it's interesting that the Jewish people are like, yeah, so we have our way of doing that. And then like, you know, you all just like do your thing. And like, if you could leave us alone, that'd be really great. Well, you we figure part of that is very purposeful in the sense that like, you know, I mentioned following a life or leading a life through mitzvot or through like the good deeds mm-hmm. that make you a good person and a good Jew in that sense. Well, in order to do that, you have to kind of create your own subset of reality or, you know, this existence with all the other people who are on the same page as you, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that extends through, you know, a kosher home, you know, that's why like, you know, Jews largely, you know, devout Jews shop only, you know, through kosher, uh, you know, grocery stores or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and what is, for for the fine listeners uh, who don't know what kosher is, what what does that mean really? I mean, kosher kosher staying kosher is just a, a set of laws. Um, I, I mean, but what can, does it mean for something to be kosher? Validated by a rabbi that like it was done in the right way. So I guess maybe an example would be like my we we would always buy kosher chicken. <laughs> when, when, you know, my, when I was growing up, whenever we had like chicken for dinner, it was always kosher chicken. And my mom would always like say the same thing. She's like, Oh, it's kosher chicken. So you like, no, it's, it's better. This is basically the original version of organic non-GMO. Pretty much. (laughs) Like straight up. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool to just be like, yeah, no, this like person who is studied enough to make this judgment has said this was done the right way. Yeah, but like on that note, there are like there there's like a detailed like there's a, a basically a a a, a to do list for butchers in order to make their uh, products kosher. And what how does that manifest in just like somebody that has taken more care with their product? So like is is uh, kosher is Jewish chicken? Are Jewish chickens better? Uh, they are the chosen chickens, and so we know that they're better. But are kosher chickens better than regular chickens? A lot of the time, yeah, because they they were uh, butchered with more intent, and you know, like there's a, I mean, corners down were to, not cut. Yeah, corners were not cut. You know, we had to to do this in like a very you know clean area and bled out for you know x amount of time. So there's no there's no way to shortcut. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, kosher yeah. law dictates like a, a number of things. Like a lot of people are familiar with, you know, us not eating like shellfish or pork. Um, you know, which I always wondered whether or not just you know harken back to like you know legitimate concerns around food yeah, safety, health and safety. Uh, which, did you did you grow up not eating shrimp and pork and stuff so 
my grandparents kept a like quite kosher home in the sense yeah. that they had different plateware and silverware for milk and meat. When it came for time for Passover, they did like rid their kitchen of all bread products. Um, my mom and my parents never did that. We didn't take it that seriously, mm -hmm. but my mom never bought, we never had pork chops for dinner. When we went out, you know, for breakfast or something, you know, I always had bacon, of course, who wouldn't, <laughs> right. you know, but like, we just never served it, you know? And, and again, like it, m my upbringing was very, you know, it was, I wouldn't call it unitarian, but it felt a lot more of that because it was kind of like, take a, take an inventory and make, make your own decision. You know, I mm -hmm. want to show you this thing that was so important to, you know, it's your heritage. Uh, yeah, uh, our heritage and where we came from. But, you know, like you have to make your own decisions in life. And I really appreciated that, you know. So uh, on that level, like, yeah, I still ate bacon because bacon's way better than all the other meats. It is. It's the <laughs> it, ultimate it, it breakfast should really be the chosen. And, and it's also like, obviously, when you're doing your own personal inventory, that's not something that makes you feel like you're... Yeah, fucking up. Like this is not true. Interrupting that, obviously. True. They'd probably. I mean, Jews would probably have a, a problem with me making that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I it, like from a from a more secular point of view, it's like yeah. I mean, I I, I do that. You know, you. I'm sure, sure. you both do that in your own lives. Mm -hmm. uh, spirituality uh, aside, just like taking inventory of like, you know, in the sense, you know, in that sense, like I try to buy the best meat possible rather than, you know, uh, uh, buying factory farmed or, you sure. know, bullshit meat. So. Yeah. Huh. Did you, uh, at a certain point as you got older, gain more curiosity for the, maybe the more mystical shit that, you know, it kind of pushed you away from or not just sticking to what was there in front of you. Yeah. Tell us about your, like, your, because I know you, Dan doesn't, but, like, I think of you as a very thoughtful and, like, spiritually grounded person um, who is also, like, very curious about the world and all, whatever, like, the mystery. So, like... What was your return to that? Like you mentioned high school, you're sort of like having a typical high school experience of just like, let's explore the fun things. And then, yeah, what point do you sort of like circle back? Well, I think through college and I'm, I'm pretty sure, Andrew, you had a similar experience where, you know, you start to venture out and explore different things. I found, you know, Buddhism and at the very least, like, meditation you know and and found a lot of truth and and good practice in that so i think like through college you know and i did like actually practice buddhism for for a period of time and just kind of like the general exploration whether it was through you know my comparative religions course or just you know finally you know being in a larger university where you know i am around like you know uh, Muslim people and, and, and way more Christian people or, you know, some other Jewish kids as well, you know, that I was able to at least like, you know, venture out and kind of explore a lot of like, you know, what, what spirituality means in a, in a larger sense mm -hmm. uh, and what it meant to me. Um, as far as like a return to, I mean, 
I feel like I've been interested in Jewish mysticism as more of a hobbyist, uh, on the hobbyist level more than like how I'm going to interact with it. Right. Because I mean, a lot of those mystical tenets, you know, might be a little bit harder to incorporate in, in, you know, a modern world yet, like just out of pure curiosity, you know, you kind of like, you know, are just like, yeah, what, what was that all about? Like, why, why do we do that? And, you know, I think now as a, an adult, I just kind of like, you know, I'm a little bit more attuned with the sort of like storying behind it or, you know, the, the deeper narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's the, the thing behind the thing. Yeah. So like when I, I think, you know, things that I've mentioned, like, you know, you, you are, you, like what encompasses you as a person are, are the things that you do, you know, or, you know, to not jump to materialize things or to place things in categories and, and, you know, write a label on them and stick them up on the shelf and, and, you know, take that for granted and, you know, to be constantly questioning one's thoughts about things and, and, you know, always aspiring to, to answer those ineffable questions or, or at least ponder them, you know, because when they're left up there in a dusty, you know, box on the top of the shelf, like, you know, you, you forget about them. Right. Right. It's heavy. Yeah. (laughs) If you feel like you know what everything is, then yeah, it's just that. Right. And I, I always thought that was very powerful. You know, so uh, again, like as just kind of uh, uh, as an adult to just kind of like really let those sort of elements sink in. It's like, yeah, I don't want to like be set in my own ways. You know, I want I want to always, always be curious. You know, I, I want to, you know, there's a lot of like elements of the Jewish faith that uh, I would liken to like the, the Buddhist koan, you know, like the, like you're told a story or you ask a question and you're not necessarily supposed to have an answer for that question. Or there's a theme of the story so much as like a feeling that it gives you Mm -hmm. or, you know, where, yeah, where your mind goes or just like the, the, the quiet appreciation of, of the, the elements or the themes at play, you know, rather than being like, Oh, well this story tells us this and it means this, you know, like the Jewish faith, like, almost prohibits almost goes so far as to prohibit that or really try to tries to avoid it yeah so i just realized that my cat is stuck in the office i can see her (laughs) i'm gonna go let her out that's cool though i dig that approach oh daryl look at this guy i'm sorry sorry everybody (laughs) good lord carry on um I think it's good to have that mentality around those things to not to not be afraid to to question things. It seems like that uh that is something that is frowned upon in a lot of like especially sects of Christianity. Like don't don't question any of this. Like this is just the word of God and this is this is how things are, you know? Right. And I mean, there's totally that element too. like, it's not a total free for all, Yeah, you know, for Jews. It's just like, no, like it's what you think, you know, like there's some rules, there's some stuff that like, you know, the OGs, you know, 
have already decided for you. For sure. And there's a spectrum, obviously, like you were talking about earlier. Like if you're orthodox, you're, you know, really hitting that thing heavy. But even watching the rabbi today talking about Yom Kippur, he was talking about, he wasn't necessarily saying, don't worry about the fasting. But he was like, hey, no one really ever said this particular thing, you know? So he's like, also, this isn't really what this is about. This is still about the spiritual inventory. So you, you can go ahead and you can do the fasting. But if you're not doing any of the, you know, the internal or spiritual work, it doesn't even really matter that you didn't eat anything or fuck anybody or, you know. Yeah. No, and I, I, I mean, as a... As a kid, I think one thing that I, I sort of struggle, and I'd be interested in your two commentary on, on this, is like a lot of my Christian friends were so sort of absolute in their like, you know, and part of that is the, the either watered down or, you know, force fed version that a lot of kids get. At, well, yeah, you know, the American version of Christianity in particular. Totally, is. which you guys have definitely discussed at, at length on this on this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. But like. Uh, on the same level, like, you know, what, what do you think about like essentially the, the idea where Christians kind of get to like promise that they're Christians and then they're like, cool, well, that's like, that's my spiritual insurance, <laughs> yeah, you know, dude. whereas like I, what I, the like inkling that I always got from Judaism, it's like, dude, no, you got to like show up and do all the stuff. And you're like, well, dude, I like said that I, I was here for it. And you're like, no, dude, you yeah. have to like show up and do all the stuff. I love that. You know, when you're talking about the Jewish religion, that there's a lot of focus on, I don't know, not really parading it around, you know, where that's the big thing, especially in the Christian religion, you go to those, those big worship, Mm -hmm. fucking ceremonies on Sundays and it's all about like oh who stepped up there today and and yeah. gave their life to God and who it's raised just their like, hands the highest yeah my shit was a little different growing up Catholic I was baptized at a, at a super young age um, which is what you're saying it's that that insurance you know even you know, you're you're always Catholic if you've been baptized. Right. Doesn't let's matter what sure, you do. Let's make sure little Daniel um, is gonna make it to heaven no matter what. Well, I'll tell you, growing up Catholic, the the baptism is is much it's a much different thing. It's usually not always necessarily done in a public um, ser uh, service. Right. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. But a lot of times it's done just with like the godparents, and those are chosen by the family. Where when I started going to Christian services with my mom, sometimes we would kind of go back and forth. My mom kind of appreciated both elements of it and was more into just us kind of going to the thing and, and having this worship time or whatever. Um, I found that fucking bizarre the way the, uh, the Christian baptism the saving of the soul, you know, dunking them underwater. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. It, it always seemed like really bizarre to me. Not that it was that different from like what I grew up in the Catholic church sure. with, but it, it did seem, I don't know, to be a little more theatrical. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, I mean, I think that we've, we've also talked about this at length, but it's, it's almost comical 
how far from what Jesus was teaching the modern church has become. Like, and the New Testament in particular makes it very clear that like faith without acts, it says it explicitly, faith without acts is empty. Like, it's not a real thing. So, which meaning basically like, yeah, your spiritual practice is bullshit unless you're putting your money where your mouth is. Like, just full stop. And some of the little things underneath that that Jesus teaches around like, you know, don't pray to be seen. Pray because you fucking mean it. Don't do good things so that you can be seen doing good things so that you can check off for yourself like, okay, I'm a good person because I did a good thing. Like lean into the thing under that, which is do good things because it's the right thing to do. And you don't need anything other than that. Just the joy of knowing that you are doing what is fundamentally right and like bent towards God or whatever. That should be enough for you, period. And so much of that has been lost, I think, in modern Christianity. There's still like the mystical element, both in Catholicism and in like American evangelicalism that I think taps into that. But the surface level Christianity and your boilerplate American Christian is very much doing exactly what Jesus said don't do, which is like, let's go and like make sure that we're seen at church worshiping in this way. Let's make sure that we're like, you know, yeah, doing these things so that so that we can be seen as good Christians, not just because it's the right good thing to do. Certainly. And that like and you see how that, you know gets distilled down or, you know, extrapolates into like the sort of proselytizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fucking gross, man. <laughs> yeah. Which was one thing that I always appreciated about Jews because they like o- openly, like don't really encourage people to, to come along for the ride just for the sake of it. Like we're yeah. not trying to increase our numbers, even though like we probably have more reason to more right. than anybody else. But we're like, no, like we don't, we don't want your half-assed bullshit. You know, we're only in it if you want to like, and I think there's something to be said though, that like, and this is part of the reason that I have come back to the teachings of Jesus is it's like, there's something to be said for leaning into like, what is the spiritual language that you were given as a child? You know, what did you grow up with? And in my own like explorations of Eastern religions, like Buddhism and Hinduism and stuff like, yeah, I, I think Buddhism is great. And I think especially as just like a philosophy, it's really beautiful and gets a lot of stuff just like really nails it. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, there are things I want to take and incorporate from that, but it's not my given. It's not my mother tongue. Right. It's not my, it's not my spiritual mother tongue. So if I really, really want to dive deep into myself and what it means to live a life well lived, like I, it's not that I should, shouldn't explore beyond the teachings of Jesus, but there's probably always going to be the most to unpack for me. Because that is like what was, yeah, it's what I was raised with. And to me, that just means like it's what's most deeply ingrained in my psyche. Right. And I I think, you know, to answer your previous question, Dan, like what would I take with me are those sort of like, you know, whatever, like those breadcrumbs, um, you know, that that I've allotted to uh, thus far, which is kind of the, you know, to sort of 
and I don't mean this in any way to, to sound as though like, you know, as a kid, I was like arrogant against my Christian friends, but it was almost like, you know, to kind of like walk softly, but carry a big stick. And that big stick was like, no, I'm not like sure that any of this shit is true. I'm just like, this is what I've learned thus far. And like, I've reconciled that for myself, you know, and a lot of my, you know, Christian friends that, you know, either bought it because, you know, they were supposed to, or because, you know, it was like, you know, spiritual teaching is so powerful at that age. We're like, no, this is the way that it is. And Jesus died for my sins and like that. I'm like, well, yeah, like maybe. Yeah. Right. But you're right. The certainty of especially a young Christian because that's the sort of the way that it's pitched to you. It's very basic, you know, like Jesus died for your sins, accept him into your heart, you will be saved, whatever. But the certainty behind that is problematic. And for a young mind, I think it's it's dangerous because what you should be imparting on young minds is more about the mystery. Exactly. And that there's something there's something within the mystery that like there are still some knowable things. But yeah. Bending away from certainty uh, and the importance of that and like Christianity did not give me that. Yeah. Mushrooms gave me that. Christianity did not give me that. Yeah, where I think maybe, uh, you know, listening to Steve and like talk about that experience, I I don't know, it makes me think maybe it aligns almost more of like the experience that my buddy Seth had growing up Mormon and still is and just really leaning in to the mystery, but also dedicating a lot of time and having some even though you grew up conservatively in the, you know, Jewish religion, you still had to do all that work. And there is a rigid, you know, part to that. Yeah. There's something to that, you know, and, and having to, yeah, I think, uh, I think that informs something. I mean, granted that could also have something to do with the fact that I was a minority in the sense there was only like a couple other Jewish kids around me. So I wasn't like, you know, trying to, you know, uh, debate people on whether or not, you know, Jesus was God's son or anything like that. I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't even really want to talk about this right now. Yeah. Like I'm totally fine. Like believing what I believe. And that's not even to say that they're all, you know, uh, you know, the tenets of Judaism or so on and so forth. I just think that like, you know, again, that's sort of like, walk, walk softly, but carry a big stick, you know, keep a, a sharpened sword, but keep it sheathed, you know, it's like, what was something that I did take with me from my Jewish upbringing, because it's like, yeah, this isn't like really anybody else's business. It's like kind of your own relationship with right, it's a yourself and personal like, thing. yeah, you're the one who has to answer to God or to yourself for that matter, you know? And you know, we spoke before briefly about how, you know, there, there are some of the tenets of Judaism that have been decided. Like if you look at, you know, the way that our, our, uh, our texts are structured, it's like, all right, well you have like, you have the, the Tanakh or like the Canon, the first five uh, books of Moses, but then you also have, uh, what's, called the Talmud, uh, which are the conversations of rabbis about those texts. So it's like, all right, you have like, you know, the, the word from God, and then you have, um, the Talmud, which is like the discussions around those words and what that means and how we're going to integrate that into, you know, 
a modern world or a contemporary mm-hmm. fashion. And then, and even the Talmud itself is split up into two more, which are the Mishnah um, and the Gomorrah. The Mishnah being, I believe, I'd, forgive me if I got this wrong, but I believe the Mishnah is the one that was like, that was the super OG rabbis that, that kind of, you know, discussed the word of God at great length and like kind of made a, you know, a rules to live your life by sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then the Gomorrah is more like, yeah, we're going to keep talking about it though. So like right. those guys basically like set the pay or set the, the tone for, you know, the next hundreds and thousands of years for, you know, Jews to live by these tenants. But like, there's kind of a collective appreciation that like these things are still being discussed. And if you uh, discussed, and if you have like something to say, or you want to bring something up, then like, yeah, you've got a seat at the table, but you better bring your notes because Mm -hmm. like we've been, we've been sitting here for thousands of years discussing this like one line, one line of text, you know? So in that sense, like we've never completely ironed something out. Right. Well, speaking of the text, um, I did want to read, uh, the first six verses in numbers 29, um, which is one of the mentions of Rosh Hashanah. It's called the Festival of Trumpets. Um, and it says, On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. As an aroma pleasing to the Lord, offer a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an uh, ephah, of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, with the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth, uh, include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. These are in addition to the monthly and daily burnt offerings with their grain offerings and drink offerings as specified. Their food offerings presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. What is interesting to me about this is, like, this is a very, this is a very old text, right? And so I feel like we read that and we're sort of like, that sounds like some weird barbaric nonsense. But it's not, they're speaking in the language of the time. And to me, like, the way I interpret this is very much like what you said, like, take an inventory and, like, offer up the things in your room that you no longer need so that it can be cleaner. Like, that's what the offering is. It's not, and yeah, at the time, it's like what people needed the most was, like, food. And maybe those are the things that people were clinging to like being the most greedy with you know because it was like the greatest currency of the time so maybe that's why it made for the best metaphor but to me when i read that i'm just like yeah this is a moment for you to like clear out the unnecessary bullshit that you've stored up within yourself purify yourself boy yeah (laughs) i don't know what do you what do you think of that uh well certainly i mean i would imagine any one of those items that uh were proposed as uh, essentially sacrifices or offerings right to mm-hmm. god were all of great value to you so not only are you like you know giving giving your god his due you know uh by by saying by you know giving him perhaps prized possessions or or things that, you know, you need or desire to, to sustain life, you know? So, uh, an offering of, uh, you know, 
yourself to God as well as, yeah, I think as you described, like, you know, looking around the room and, and seeing what bullshit you don't need anymore. I mean, there's a sort of shunning in the Jewish religion of, of the frivolous or like things that you don't really need. And like, if you were, you know, Orthodox Jew, like you, you avoid all things frivolous. Um, right. And that's like, yeah, that sort of, um, notion on the on the like physical reality level i think also you know is it it applies to the physical level because it also applies to the metaphysical level of right. like yeah who you are as a person and like what's in what what is occupying your mind um so yeah i think that that i mean that's something that i try to do and i'm also a very fancy boy so i'm sure i have lots of stuff that i don't need i, de I definitely do mm -hmm. but i i also try to like you know pretty often like look around and be like when was the last time i actually used that thing like do i need this thing could someone else prop like maybe use this would it benefit someone else like i'll just i should just give this away just sitting here um yeah anyways i'm just stoned rambling but <laughs> you know you're doing great thanks i really appreciate the uh the that it's a more personal experience though and not to be talked about too much yeah i mean certainly there's the communal element of it right yeah but uh i think it's so it can be so fucking damaging especially to a young person to observe someone having some spiritual experience where they're crying or you know having some physical takeover and then to not to feel like you don't have something like that yeah so you're not tapped in you're not connected yeah or you know just having this thing where you're speaking in front of everybody and telling everybody your story and you're in tears and, and doing this thing with conviction and then to I don't know, to convey to others that you have to tap into that to have some relationship with God. Right. I it's think this massively like there's a this huge performative element to it. And we see it even with like politics, with social justice movements, like, you know, again, there are there are those that are like clearly doing the right thing, pushing the right message for the right reasons, and then there are people where you're like even if you are saying the right things, I still sort of like, I don't believe you. Like, it's not, I don't buy it because like what you're saying, it's just like, yeah, there it's, there's something about it that's unrelatable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can just make it, make it seem like you were supposed to be feeling a particular way about something to be connected to it. And that's like, misses the entire point of it being the personal journey. For sure. And I think focusing on like, what do you do? What do you do with your time and your hands, with your body, with your mind, with the love that you have to give? What do you do with those things? That That's what makes you connected. Like, yeah. Fuck the tears about yeah. God. Like, that's not what it's... If that happens, great. Whatever. But like, that's part of your deeply personal journey. And the only thing that should be outwardly reflected really are... As you say, the mitzvot. Which, again, then it just 
puts the emphasis on your acts and, you know, whether you either do do or do not, there is no try sort of thing. Right. right. So in uh, that sense, like right now, you know, I've, like we're, I'm sure all of us concerned in this room, you know, after the, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that like, you know, Trump's going to up and, you know, throw, throw a, a quick Republican uh, onto the Supreme Court justice right, when, right. you know, uh, the Republican Senate, many of them, uh, like promised they wouldn't do this. You know, they promised they wouldn't do this. You know, way back when Obama was about to um, appoint a, a, you know, a, a more liberal uh, justice uh, right before, you know, in his last year of presidency. You know, and many of them vowing, you know, like if I ever I think it was like Lindsey Graham or something. It's like if I ever, you know, try to yeah, you said pass, use my words against me, use my words against me. So it's like, all right, dude, like show up, you know? And I think when you don't have that accountability to, you know, your acts or, you know, what, what, do, what do your words even mean? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Fucking A. God damn it. Sorry. I, I, I just, I got real heavy. No, my- <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, but a, it's, it's also, a heavy time. It's a it's heavy time. It's also a, uh, yeah. And it, it is heavy to. To sit and actually look at the ways that you weren't true to your word. Mm-hmm. It's just fucked up that all of these people are supposed to be public servants. And, <laughs> and all of them, it, it's just, it's a, it's a fucking game. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It's wild, man. Steven, do you have any children? Not that I know of. <laughs> if you, I'm, I'm curious, um... It seems like you had a pretty great experience being raised Jewish with that not being like a force down your throat and you've carried all, it seems like you carry a lot of those values with you. Um, do you think that you will, if you have children, do you think that you will raise them Jewish? I was afraid you were going to ask this question. Were you? <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I think I had, I've in my adult life met a few of my friends that like they're parents essentially raised them unitarian to the sense where or even i wouldn't even call it unitarian so much as they're like you know gave them a stack of books you know one of each one of each flavor and they're like go ahead like investigate them ask me questions you know i I think you know certainly I, i see the great value of spiritual teachings in a in a young person's life and and if i were to you know raise children i i I'd have, I feel like I'd have to on some level, yeah. you know, expose them to spirituality, but like, I but want- don't you think that some level of expose, especially a young kid, right? There's something about spirituality that is so beyond their young minds that it has to be coded into some form of like tradition and like doing like even just going, whether that's going to church every Sunday and worshiping and doing that thing or whatever. But it's like, it's sort of something that it's like to know or to approach knowing God, like it has to be more than just talking about it, which is, I guess why religion exists at all and why traditions stick. Certainly. And I mean, that's a, that's a whole other rabbit hole of like whether or not uh, this is like a, 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 in reference to a conversation that I think you and I have both listened to between 
Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson about the essentially like, can you derive uh, like uh, truth from values or from facts or, you know, somewhere in between, like can, can truth be derived from, from uh, facts just as easily as they're derived from values, Mm -hmm. uh, i.e. like a spiritual values. And I think that's a, that's a great question. Like, is it enough to just say like, yeah, do good. Like we're all, that makes sense to, I mean, kids aren't dumb. You know, like any kid's going to be like, yeah, doing good feels better than doing bad. Right. You, you know, and they might have to learn the hard way. Some lessons that like, you know, you bully a kid and you're like, ooh, I don't like the way that made me feel when I made that kid cry. That wasn't really what I was trying to do. I guess I should not do that in the future because that was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly like faith or, you know, faith in any one religion or, you know, that structure of faith adds a level of, you know, accountability, so to speak, because, you know, if you're purely rational or scientific, you know, one could argue, you know, that you may, you know, at some point be like, well, fuck it. Like, what does this matter anyway? Like, we're all, we're all going to die and decompose and be eaten by mushrooms and, you know, (laughs) like nothing happens. Well, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you believe that, like, I don't know if I, you know, would take, take the, you know, monotheistic, you know, the Abrahamic monotheistic view of God, you know, full on rather than like definitely more from a a mystical sense. You know, it makes it, it interpreting it more through a mystical lens, you know, makes a lot more sense to me that like, yeah, I mean, like almost like akin to the butterfly effect, like everything that you have, like do in this universe, like ripples out and has its effect on somewhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, can you still have that without like faith or without a, a, a spiritual framework? Like, I don't necessarily see why not, but like certainly from you know, certainly for little kids, like to, to hold them accountable to, to, you know, the, the great being above or something like, I, I don't know. It's, 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 um, sure. it's, you, it's a good utility if nothing else. Right. Yeah. I mean, historically it's, has proven to be effective, uh, <laughs> very, very much so. I do think it's really interesting that like, yeah, that notion of without, without, I guess, believing in the mystery, if you want to just, like, make that our our standing uh, definition of faith for the sake of this conversation. Like, what is, what is then the motivation to do good? Um, and, like, like, I just think of sort of, like, you know, there's, it's, I don't know how new this movement, this like sort of more militant atheist movement that, that has surfaced over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years. I don't know how far back that potentially goes in history, you know, of people who are just like, I need to put a fine point on the fact that everything that you see is all that there is. That's important. Um, because it feels like historically most people were like, I am going to accept that there is more than what I can just see, that I don't understand everything. And that, that, and not even that I don't understand everything, but not everything can be understood. Like that important little like 
foundation to me like if you're a militant atheist like you don't have that you believe that like essentially you know if you're richard dawkins you're like well science will eventually or at least could potentially answer everything that there is to know and i think that that's i think that that in particular is sort of like a dangerous foundation to live your life from because it makes it really easy to just sort of like yeah like not be able to tease out the meaning from everyday things that happen around us well yeah that's interesting i mean certainly on one level history is written by you know a certain collection of people right not by not by you know the rando atheists out there who you know i'm sure there were countless of them who you know went from cradle to grave you know being decent people and doing decent stuff you know and nobody ever writ much about them and you know (laughs) they didn't pay no never mind but even like even like religious atheism in terms of like like a greek philosopher who's like yeah i don't believe in the sky gods like i don't buy into the greek mythology whatever but like they're still like but there's a world of animating forms that like is more real than ours and like our world is the shadow world yeah so they are still pointing towards something that is like essentially metaphysical so their foundation is still like there's way like there are things that are basically not understandable and that is like a joy of life because then we can sit around the dinner table and discuss it forever i mean in my mind that presupposes that our particular language maybe math would be the the you know most accurate or you know least uh, uh, left to interpretation is able to uh, quantify literally or explain everything like i think that's kind of a you know in my mind that is sort of a a a, a foolhardy venture you mm-hmm. know to to be able to distill everything down to empirical data to this uh, extent that everything can be placed in those boxes and labeled and we're like cool we figured it out like we're good you know i i don't I, not only do I, I do i not believe that that's possible but i don't believe that we have the you know in our limited understanding or perspective uh, or perception of the you know the mag- the electromagnetic spectrum you know to to <laughs> to presuppose that yeah. like you know that right. we could even do that you and know also with our- what would be when you really break it down what would be the benefit to being like cool we got it. We figured it out. It's in the numbers. Yeah. So everyone, like, we all still have to go on living our lives and interacting with each other. It doesn't other. even matter. So that shit's f- not real, dude. Yeah. Mother nature is is real. Like, For sure. Fires are real. It's, it's, I use this same example all the time, but it's always like, yeah, if science were able to prove that there was no free will... I would still be like, okay, but for me, I'm going to believe that I do have free will because I don't want to live my life thinking that like, I'm just a fucking robot being pulled by a string through time. Like what benefit does that have for me? Literally none. And it takes all the meaning out of everything. So it's like, okay, even if science said definitively, like, fuck, turns out like it's all, everything's predetermined. Like we're all just being pulled through time in this way. I'd be like, yeah, like, I guess my religion now is, is not believing that. Like, I just don't. <laughs> and to my core, I can't. I can't believe it. 
Um, and that's, I, it's sort of, a, it's just a different flavor of that same thing of like, yeah, like why, why don't we want to leave things? Why wouldn't we want to leave things open to interpretation on some level, especially the deepest levels? Right. Yeah, dude, it's gotta be whatever makes it valuable for you. And if framing shit like that makes it valuable for you and better for you, right? that's great. where it's at. Whatever. That's, but don't come at me telling me that I got to like, uh, frame my shit. I might need different lenses, you know, right. <laughs> you need, you need I need sunglasses. a different pr- lens prescription <laughs> than you. Um, I think that, I don't know. I th- it feels in the way that you're presenting the Jewish faith and the religious experience you had, that it just doesn't feel as intrusive in some ways. Like there's, it doesn't seem like there's this huge sect of ex ex Jewish people that are so bitter towards their experience of growing up Jewish. Yeah. Or at (laughs) least I I don't find that because you know, you hear less stories. I mean, and that's, that's removing people who grew up maybe in like Orthodox Orthodox or Orthodox, which there's some sketchy shit that goes on there, which you see in any like kind of fundamentalist sect of any religion. Exactly. It's, it's, there's extremism in all of it and it's all really fucking gross. Right. But I mean, you're right. The less people, you know, are, are, talking shit because it was like, well, if you don't like it, dude, then just don't do it. You know, or like, yeah. we're not gonna, nobody's holding you down to the, uh, holding an uh, holding you to the iron, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. And I kind of asked you, I asked you that question about what your decision would be, you know, if you had kids and were to raise them with or without just cause I don't know. It just seems if I was going to do it, I think I would be more inclined to convert myself maybe to Judaism and, and <laughs> raise them that way. Just cause I already have that. I don't know that curiosity and would like to know more about some family history and the roots of that just because it does. I don't know. It just seems like, like I said, there's maybe some less damaging elements to how it has presented itself, at least in America. Yeah. I mean, part of me feels like it's this sort of overwhelming responsibility to, you know, come back to that at some point, which I do, you know, wholeheartedly want to engage with. But at some point it seems like, you know, oh, I'm not, you know, and this is my own, you know, laziness or, 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 you know, maybe still being scared of, of some of those elements to, to be like, yeah, I'm going to take that on starting tomorrow. Right. You know, and in order to raise my children that way, like, I feel like I should be able to represent that better. You know, I don't need to, you know, to, to be the best, you know, practicing Jew necessarily, but like, I at least need to be able to field those questions, but I feel equally, if not more responsible to field those exact same questions about Christianity or Islam or, you know, Agreed. all these different, uh, you know, lenses that are, you know, kind of, a uh, kind of, uh, achieving the same, uh, trying to achieve the same thing. And like, you know, we were talking before about, you know, like atheism and like how you might arrive towards, you know, back towards like the golden rule, you know, by the end of it, it's like, well, isn't that, I mean, one would argue that it's like, that's kind of a, an obvious, 
endpoint. It's like, well, yeah, like just do good. And to like assume that over, you know, from the atheist perspective that you described that, you know, follows science as the canon, like to suppose that like we're getting smarter and smarter and, you know, getting, you know, distilling it down to something more tangible, I think like is kind of nonsense as well. Like, I don't know that we've really like, yeah, of course we have all these great innovations and, and, you know, uh, examples of how we've, uh, we understand science better, but like, are we spiritually smarter than we were? Exactly. Can you really say that like, it's brought us into like a spiritually enlightened age? No, I think we're dumber. I think we're (laughs) spiritually dumber and it's hard to know for sure because we don't fucking know what it was like 4,000 years ago. And certainly there was a lot of like, barbaric shit happening because you know things were in general less civilized you can't really go around today just like unless you're an entire government but on a on a personal level you can't go around slaying and whatever and pillaging um but yeah i do think because they had maybe less distraction because their room was a little bit cleaner like i mean that's why even ancient philosophers like that's why we're still like fucking mind blown by them today they were definitely tapped into something and potentially spiritually like way more advanced than we are now yeah which is and why the traditions themselves are still around i mean muslim uh islam and christianity and judaism are all fucking old yeah you don't have all these elements to numb you from internal reflection right you don't have fucking 12 hours to burn watching netflix or scrolling an instagram feed Right. Well, you have hours to burn, but you don't have ways to burn them other than, yeah, like you're saying, like, yeah, the self-reflection. So it's like that whole what happens when the music goes off, you know, (laughs) what happens when you run out of tunes, you know, and you're left alone with your your shit. Yeah. To just think about people being paid, you know, by by patronages of the art or otherwise paid to think, you know, paid to sit there and, and ponder when ponder was your job. You know, like I don't, I, there's no, there's, there's quite literally no, you know, equivalent of that. Like how many, how many philosopher, you know, philosophers are, are almost by, you know, self-titled, you know, like, because yeah. they, I mean, but I think, you know, or, or they've, you know, accrued a, a name for themselves and written books and uh, uh, they're well or affluent enough to not have to do anything else other than like ponder upon things. And then of course, read the compendium of knowledge that other people have written about thought for sure. Um, but like, you know, how much time do all of us take during the week? Like, I don't know, probably when we take a couple of bong rips and just like space out yeah, for a second, a which is of what it would have been even 200 years ago. Right. Yeah, which is like a huge, I mean, and I mean, it speaks yeah. towards the psychedelic experience, experience and drug experience of my youth, which arguably, you know, as you list, Andrew, like one of the, the most profound moments of my life, certainly uh, mushroom use that I've had, you know, spiritual and religious experience unparalleled, mm-hmm. you know, by Amen. anything else. Yeah. Amen. And what's so interesting <laughs> for me about specifically the mushrooms is it's like, I've had enough profound experiences now that, like, that's a call that I rarely feel like I need to answer. I mean, yeah, I, from time to time, sure. Like, maybe a little bit, like, 
it's been a long time since I've done like a hero's dose. But that's because the last hero's dose that I did was like, I was like, oh, okay. And it completely reframed everything for me. And like, it would be impossible to undo that. So I just think that it's such an amazing spiritual tool in that sense that it was like, a yeah, it's something that I, I still like to tap into, but like, I don't necessarily need the drug to tap into it anymore because like right. I got the, like I got a full, you know, masterclass in it. And then it's like, yeah, now I know now I understand, like I understand that I don't understand. And that's like the most important thing that's <laughs> ever happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't that, uh, you know, isn't that, a, a an odd thing to think about understanding that you're not going to understand. And right. I think that like that moment on, on psychedelics, specifically mushrooms, or at least for me, it was mushrooms, like knowing something to be true beyond all else, you know, which, you know, transcends some, you know, I think the word hallucinogen or hallucination is such a misnomer in that sense, you know, because like I, I, something as, as cliche as, you know, like love is everything, you know, becomes like a mantra that like could not be refuted by, right by anything. Yeah. It's the most beautiful concept that you can feel yeah. deeply within yourself as so true. And you also can feel the, the deepest truth of like, uh, like mystery is everything. Yeah. Like yeah. mystery is the core truth of life. And then like, now let's have fun. And that like knowing that you will never know is not a scary thing but it's like a joyous thing mm. because it creates this endless, you know, uh, essentially psychedelic landscape now for you to explore for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, this really beautiful thing. So, so in a sense it's, it is then more, more interesting at the very least or more important, the things that you can't explain rather than the things that you can explain. And in that sense, you know, the less we try to explain or distill down uh, into, you know, empirical data, uh, the more we get to ponder upon yeah. and the That's more right. we get to question and... and the sure. fact that we even have to sit here and have a 90-minute conversation untangling this shit just so that we can get to the good part where it's like, cool, so now that we've agreed that, like, yeah. mystery is the thing, that sucks about our modern society. Mm-hmm. That fucking sucks that we have to, like... That, that that isn't just an agreed upon thing. And I think that there are definitely ancient cultures and probably current cultures where like that is a core tenant. And I think that creates, uh, yeah, it just leaves a lot of room for something way more interesting and meaningful. Right. It's fucking wild, man. How do those mushrooms work though? <laughs> how are these psychedelics working? How does it, how does it do it? Well, the militant atheist will tell though. you. Yes. Well, it's it's interesting how many people have profound experiences through the psychedelics though, and just what a tool that seems to be for people, and especially people that maybe grew up religious and then kind of disconnect from it, and then maybe have this spiritual or like godlike experience through it, whatever that may be. Yeah, I had a friend recently reach out to me and say that they had uh, on ketamine they had like talked to God and this is someone who's not like a religious person. 
uh, not even someone who I would consider definitely a, a, a great person, but not like a, someone who's like has a has a deep spiritual history, um, you know. But he was sort of like, but he, he actually said he was like one of my like. I told one of my like actually religious friends that that happened, and he was like, "That wasn't God, that was the devil." Because like <laughs> the devil likes to party, and so like of course like yeah. he would make you think that you were talking to God. And I was like, "No, dude, you knew in that moment that you were with God, right? It was the truest thing that has ever happened to you." And he was like, "Yes," and I was like, "Yeah, you were. That's what was happening." And that's not to be like a drug advocate, but it no. is. It is a really for him. He was like. You know, he was reaching out to me to tell me about it. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I believe you. I believe that you were, yeah. that that was a real thing. Because I have been there where, like, that is the truest moment of my life. But also, if that's a real thing for him, then that's what it is. Right. That's that's the whole thing. Right. That's you know? exactly for, what I was trying to say. For that other person to say, yeah, oh, you're, that's the devil. You're wrong. It's like, okay, you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. That shit is so next level. But another thing that, you know, hard to put into words and, and very unnecessary too, I guess. For like sure. Even try to explain that shit. But yeah, I love that much like God, uh, the psychedelic experience is outside of language. Well, also it's, it's unexplainable. Be, you're not going to have the same. No one's going to have the same experience. Right. Right. And there would be no way to verify that we did. And we haven't had, you, you haven't had the same experiences to inform whatever lens you're going to see th shit through right. during that experience. Yeah. You might feel connected. I don't know. That time we did a decent amount. I obviously like felt some connection to you. And I think you feel some connection to the people you experience those things with. Yeah. But it's not the same trip. You know, we weren't. You know, no, having we struggles at the same time. Right. I mean, we and, were, it's like, you, know, you, you didn't know, take a is, dirt nap. This is a cliche, but it's like, we were climbing the same mountain, but we we're just doing it in a different way. Yeah, we were. Yeah, <laughs> we, were. we certainly were. So, uh, yeah, man. Well, fuck, Steven, this has been a great chat. Do, is there anything else that you, like, where would you, I guess my final question for you would be like, where would you say you're at now with God and spirituality, you know, like, how do you find a God? How do you define God? What do you have a spiritual practice? I mean, I'd say, you know, much, much like myself, it is like an amalgam of everything, mm -hmm. you know, everything that I've done up into this point in my life, you know? So I, uh, uh, you know, a lot of what we talked about, today is what I hold most near and dear. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this conversation, you know, was sparked by, you know, Rosh Hashanah being, you know, uh, this, this, uh, or the beginning of Rosh Hashanah being this weekend. And, you know, on, on that note, like, you know, this is a, a new year and therefore a new opportunity, you know, and just as like every day we're trying to make it the best or be the best, you know, I think, keeping, keeping yourself open palmed and open-minded to, you know, the, the, the best answer, you know, and, and doing better than you did yesterday and not, uh, not succumbing to, you know, 
thinking that you've had things, you know, figured out certainly now more than ever, you know, we, we all need to have an, an open mind because, you know, it's hard to see where we go forward here, how exactly we go forward, you know? Right. So, uh, I mean, having yeah, like ha- a humble open mind, mm. you know, like, I think, yeah, I think that's it. That nails it. What yeah. you're saying. I mean, hu- humility is such a great, great strength, you know, to, 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 you know, be willing to kind of show your neck without feeling like, you know, someone's going to bite you, you know, like all of our ability to be vulnerable in that sense and to, to be honest with ourselves, you know, to, you know, admit when we're wrong, but also to stand up for what we believe in and that, you know, delicate balance between the two you know, and our kind of like, you know, of course, uh, like our, our covenant in a way with our, our, our individual gods or our idea of God or whatever that means, but also with one another as humankind. You know, I think that's, that's what it's all about. Amen. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Thank you for, yeah, hanging with us and talking with us. Yeah. It's very cool. Especially, yeah, for me, I'm just very like infatuated with the, the the Jewish religion and shit. So it's nice. You're our first Jew. Yeah. Token, token Jew. Yeah. yeah. But like Wally said, nobody likes to be the first. You know? <laughs> uh, so the, the chosen. sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> um, we'll put all the links in the episode notes. So people can keep up, send us someone, an email. Someone send us an email. I didn't look because no one ever sends us an email, but please do send us a DM. Send no, us an email. You got to look, Daniel. You got to look. We say it every episode. You're not looking. Is it wrong to have faith that there's no email in there? <laughs> what is this email without <laughs> faith that no one cares? Um, yeah. Okay. Where it links in the episode yeah. notes. Smoke, pray, love, and, uh, don't be a racist. You don't want to do that no. out there. That's yeah, no. not very, uh, that doesn't align with anybody's no. religious values no. or it's not supposed to. I don't think, I don't think so. But. Yeah. Then you go out there, you, you bless up, <laughs> you bless them up, you bless them up. Yeah. All right.